Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for listening. I hope you're well. I hope you're feeling creative. I hope you're feeling fine. I hope you've been dealing with the heat wherever you live. If you've had heat waves like we had here in the UK, it's not something we can say very often, so I've said it. There it is. I've done it. You can't stop me. <laughs> the weather in this studio, however, is change because we've got the wonderfully inspiring Clara Mulligan, Head of Art and Design at Anomaly London, coming up for you guys today. She's a tour de force, one hell of a creative inspiration, and I hope you agree with that sentiment because I think it's closing in on a fact. That's <laughs> how so I felt anyway, so let's see. Uh, a little thank you, first of all, to the sponsors, uh, the wonderful illustrationweb.com. My agency, they've been supporting this show since day one, helped me get it off the ground, helped come up with the idea, connected the dots between me running my mouth about all things creative, and just how straightforward it can be getting yourself set up with a piece of kit these days. Uh, Harry, head of the agency, liked his podcast threw the idea my way and here we are all this time two and a half years on we're now over 100,000 listens so thank you uh, to Illustration Web for helping make that happen and thank you to everyone who's listened shared loved supported whatever you want to say if you've been a part of it thank you so much Um, to every single guest of course also can't forget the people who make it possible Uh, go and check out the agency they're awesome lots of awesome news on the brand new news section on the website it's looking pretty fresh these days uh, we've got stories about Lidl's gin. Yeah, some awesome artwork going on there. We've got Bob Venables working with McCann London, creating some fantastic Wimbledon Tennis Championship posters. So go and have a look at all that stuff over at illustrationweb.com forward slash news. Um, I thought I'd give them a big thank you today because they're fantastic. Heartinternet.co.uk, my digital and tech sponsor. Uh, absolutely fantastic people. Uh, been, again, looking after the show for a long time, staying loyal, helping make this thing free for you guys. I hope that's a good thing. Um, if so, go and do leave us a little review on the iTunes, on the Apple Podcasts, please, because that's also very important, very helpful. Helps encourage them people who've got a million podcasts to choose from to somehow find their way here, which is always a joy for me. So cheers for that. Uh, go check out Heart. They do wonderful work supporting you with social media, SEO, uh, all things hosting, domain names, all the good tech stuff that you need to get yourself up to those Google rankings. Um, just wanted to touch upon... Uh, little bit about Clara today. So Clara, like I said, head of art and design at Anomaly London. I think um, people in her position at agencies these days, they don't really have time to be so prolific on social media. And I think it's about creating the right team and the right environment around you so that the work that you do create kind of just picks up that traction naturally that people see it and want to share it. It's about thinking first and foremost about the work and not working for social media because I've come across people doing this and I've certainly found myself doing it from time to time along the way. You know, how will this look on Instagram? Oh, cool, I'll get a shot of that process. And sometimes you break the floor doing that. So it's just a little word of caution about working first and, and, and taking care of, of the passion and the creativity. And then that, you know, when shared, even if it is less is more, will pick up momentum and it will get the love. If if you're feeling it, I think people feel it. That's the message there. And that's courtesy of hatinternet.co.uk. So thanks to those guys. Uh, and of course, the wonderful Association of Illustrators who, uh, I didn't actually know this, but they're supporting the illustration industry and illustrators for 73 years. So there you go. It's a good fact, isn't it? <laughs> they're great guys. They've been very supportive of this podcast. So go and have a look, theaoi.com their website so thank you to the sponsors what have you guys been up to we had a nice little increase in people approaching the show recently with some ideas with suggestions of who they'd like to hear from it's always nice to get that engagement going 
big feedback on the episode with Steve Renakis, current DNAD president and executive creative director of Google Creative Labs, along with Nate Agbatu. Awesome new uh, lad in the industry. He's working with Nike, with Wyden and Kennedy. He's a graduate of the DNAD Shift program. Big episode, awesome feedback. So thank you for that. Go back and have a listen if you haven't. So let's talk about today's guest, Clara Mulligan, head of art and design at Anomaly London. I was put in touch by Sarah Hogg, who was at the time working with DNAD, and I took one look at Clara's resume and went, do you know what, that's an awesome tip, thank you. Uh, Introductions are very valuable and sometimes they happen on this show, in fact they happen more and more frequent as word gets around as people start to listen a little more. So Clara's doing... Tremendous work with the agency. She's got this fantastic story journey with lots of change, lots of sharp whiplash-inducing transformations um, along the way. And she's going to share that journey with us. And she graduates from RISD, Rhode Island School of Design, Microsoft, Creature, based in Seattle, Sidley, our agency in Amsterdam, and now Anomaly, based in London. She's going to take us through all that and the story behind each change, which is really quite engaging. And it's a great kind of fearless approach, even though, as she'll describe, there's always fear, there's always terror, there's always panic. And we'll discuss why you sometimes got to fly in the face of that and why it can help you to make, or even make the best decisions for you. So we're going to get into all of that philosophical stuff. Well, she's going to talk about the awesome design-led work that's been going on at Anomaly uh, and how she's building the design department, uh, bringing in people with some with great experience, some with little experience, some who've had no conventional experience but are just making great stuff and why it's important to create that broad dynamic so that people complement each other and help to plant different ideas, seeds in the minds of each other. So it's, it's absolutely inspiring stuff and I hope you'll agree. Um, Clara was... Uh, she was named at 40 under 40 for creative leadership in business, which is a huge compliment, and you're going to find out why today. So I want your feedback, please, at Arrest All Mimics on social media, on all the channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Get in touch, share the love, uh, let us know who you want to hear from. I want your feedback on previous shows. Also, like I mentioned, we've had Steve Renakis of Google Creative Labs and DNAD, along with Nate Adbrook of late. Uh, we had the Weird World Cup episode. Big contrasts going on. We've got all sorts coming up talking about behaviour design. Thank you for the big milestone, over 100,000 episodes. Thank you again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and the aoi.com. So go and have a look at those guys. Let me know your feedback on the show. Here we go. Clara Mulligan. Yeah, I meet her at Anomalies HQ in London. Nice one. I know. I think that's what's so, so interesting about branding and creativity and advertising and all this stuff because it really comes down to psychology there's there's kind of there's such a psychological component to it and yeah. understanding human beings at their core and yeah. why certain groups of people or demographics like what they like and yeah. they're interested in what they like and all that and I was I wasn't smart enough to be a a psychology major, but it was too sciencey, and like I had to take too many tests and like write things. <laughs> but I kind of found through design that it is a way to dive into that in, in certain ways. Um, you know, the psychology behind why people buy things, like things, or communicated to in certain ways. You know, what inspires them, all those things. So yeah, yeah. and then you apply. The beautiful thing is you apply your circumstances and your ideas to that, which then creates a whole new thing. Yeah. Which is why that's the, that, I think that's the difference in, our, in what we do in our industry. It's kind of, 
yeah, it's it's taking that those circumstances and what those, who they are and what they do and why, and then going, well, okay, now I'm going to put my eye on that, and then that's when it becomes unique. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. So, so speaking of that, then, what's your, where, are you, where are you from? What's your roots? You, I, I always go in with. I always, I'm always curious about the childhood. I love hearing about people, creative kids. Oh man, um, I had a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful childhood. Sometimes, even when I was a kid, I wished I had more trauma in my life because I thought it would make me like more creative or something. Because you know, all the most creative people have like <laughs> drama yeah. in their life. And so, when I was in, when I was at college and starting to become a designer and an artist, I was like, "Ugh! If I just had a worse life, then <laughs> I could be so much better at this." <laughs> Um, no, I had an incredible childhood. I grew up on the beach in Virginia in, in the States and um, went to the same school from first grade to 12th grade with the same 100 people and um, and had most of my friends who I still have, a lot of my friends from high school now, I met in kindergarten. Yeah. So there was a real consistency. The only change, we moved from 73rd Street to 47th Street <laughs> in Virginia Beach, and so that was the only change. So um, it was it was very secure. It was very consistent, and um, it was absolutely beautiful. My parents are incredible, incredible people. Um, but because I think because of all that consistency. I was definitely the kind of kid that was just constantly trying to stir the pot, constantly yeah. trying to <laughs> poke and prod at normality. And as I got older, I realized, you know, a lot of people, um, which is totally fine, but a lot of people would kind of grow up in that area, like like people do all over the world, grow up in that area, and then you stay in that area, and then mm-hmm. you have kids in that area and all those things. And so I knew from an early, early age that I wanted to do something different, especially in that kind of environment, um, which was, you know, private school too. You're encouraged to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, commercial real estate or, um, these kind, these kind of, kind of professions where, you know, make money. Things with a very quantifiable success thing attached to it, the idea of success. Yes, yes, yes. And growing up in a fairly kind of conservative city um I didn't even he I didn't even hear about graphic design until I was like 20 mm. so it was a latecomer to the field but I always wanted to do art and I I um I was going to a school that uh, I think I it didn't really uh, there wasn't a lot of art classes offered um but if there were, I was I was in them, and I would do summer art classes and those kind of things. But it was kind of just like a thing I liked to do. I never I was never one of those kids that was like, I'm going to be an artist. I actually mm. went to um, uni thinking that going into the hospitality and tourism um, field, and I wanted to start a restaurant and be a chef. <laughs> it was actually the one thing my parents discourage me from because of the hours and okay yeah and, and which is hilarious because I'm in a field now where like my hours are crazy <laughs> so, <laughs> so it doesn't it, I didn't really think about the hour thing I did but um but yeah it I, well really and the reason that got derailed is because I realized that Hospitality and tourism was actually in the business school, and mm. I was found myself in economics and statistics and yeah. all this shit, and 
I was, I mean, completely failing out of university within three weeks. <laughs> like, just the worst GPA yeah. ever. Um, terrible, terrible grades. And so I went, um, I went over to the art school, like, within five weeks of me yeah. starting. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I grew up in a a fairly consistent and fairly kind of traditional environment where, um, you know, private school and, like, I was a debutante. (laughs) I was like, and I tell people that now, and I tell people that because it's so different than my personality now and, (laughs) and how I am. But all of that stuff taught me something extremely, extremely valuable, which was being able to relate to people is the most important thing in life. And my parents always put social activities and um, socializing and making friends as the most important thing. Okay. Over grades, over, and, and they were a big advocate of team sports. I was I was always playing sports, always in team sports specifically. And that was their perspective, is that if you can relate to people, you can do anything. And no matter what you end up doing in life, you will be able to be successful at that thing because you can relate to people. If you can't relate to people, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. And, and I, think that I, I, I think that's an invaluable lesson. And mm. I feel so grateful to to have been brought up in that scenario where you're constantly around people, groups of people, um, you know, uh, school events, team sports, cocktail parties, and they're very social too. And so I also learned by example, but just the ability to have a com- mm-hmm. be able to have a conversation with anybody is incredibly yeah. important. This is quite fascinating, you know. I had done three of conversations in the last two days and this is this has come up in, in quite right across all three but a real consistent thread so DNA they've been great and they linked us up and they linked me up with, with Steve Tranakis from Google Creative Labs yesterday and he talked about growing up in Canada as a, a immigrant child and everyone they the majority population was immigrant and that gave you this appreciation that everyone was different everyone felt like a bit of a misfit mm-hmm. and he talked about that importance of, of that of, of understanding people as a good creative director and working with the personality and motivators and drivers and then I did a very kind of oh, lads football podcast in the evening like a weird world cup project that's like a, a very fun thing but supporting football beyond borders a charity who use football as a way to, to work with disadvantaged children um, and then use that team sport to make up for maybe something they've not had guidance, for example. So it's just, just really fascinating that that's come up so prevalent in three consecutive conversations with very different people. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's really, I mean, for me specifically, like I, I you know, I always had a lot of friends. I always fit in. I never felt like a, a misfit on the outside, but because of kind of where all my, you know, where everybody was going with what they wanted to do with their lives or what those expectation was. I knew that I just didn't want to do anything like that. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do what the normal expectation was. Um, Always kind of made me feel a bit like a black sheep, but at the same time, it it made me work harder at trying to um, form relationships and that, you know, just kind of be nice to people and yep. relate to people and yes. be there for people and um, yeah that skill I think is just 
Yeah. Absolutely. Being sympathetic to people. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find, um, I remember when I arrived at art college, it was off the back of finding a bunch of friends that really brought something out of me. Like it, it kind of I dropped the pretense of high school, which I felt very guarded. When you arrived at, I'm interested when you arrived at art school, did that so that emphasis on socialising and team sport did that did you find that stage in good stead being that you arrived quite late to design and, and uh, I guess discovering this stuff did that set you up well yeah I mean um, it's uh, coming out of coming out of high school and going into college which was a liberal arts college I, I didn't go to art school I didn't I went to Rhode Island School of Design once I um, was getting my graduate degree um, but went into went into J, JMU and I was actually playing sports at at James Madison University and I I did that for about a year because I found this group of people um, that was a bunch of misfits a bunch of people that were engaged in art whether it was writing whether it was um, whether it was photography, and these are not people that were necessarily in art school, but they just, they had, they were so different, and they were so unique, each and every one of them, and we all became very tight friends um, right away, and I realized that I could have, I could have a kind of team sport feel with these, with this group of misfits, and I really quickly felt more comfortable in my own skin than I ever have and that really pushed me to follow my passions more mm -hmm. genuinely and 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 actually go into I first went into um I was in screen printing realized I wasn't good enough to just be an artist <laughs> and went into interior design was too technical and then went into graphic design where I realized I could actually minor in screen printing and use my art as image oh, yeah. for graphic design and when those things, when that group of friends and then and that, that path in graphic design, when that clicked, it was like I felt like a completely different person. And it wasn't, it was just kind of like a, almost like a better, just like I had found kind of how to be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that was really, really eye-opening. And I realized that school and work wasn't, school and work anymore it was it was what I wanted to be spending my time doing yep. it was my hobby it was my it's like what I I didn't feel like I had to drag myself out of bed and go to class anymore like I wanted to be there and um that was that was that I, I remember like looking at my window of my house in, at school and and being like maybe one of the only times in my life where I was purely and truly content. Just mm. being like, wow, I could do this every day yeah. with these people in this environment. And of course, you know, I was 21 at the time. And, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. 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 now I think back to that moment, I'm like, thank God I, I'm not still there. Yeah. <laughs> there. And then we've, we've progressed. But, um, and then going into graduate school, going to Rhode Island um, School of Design and that was just that was kind of just enhanced to another level where I, I was like not only am I learning how to be the best graphic designer I can be but I'm learning how to think like a designer and theorize like a designer and um, create systems like a designer 
and I realized that's where I realized that I was actually good at it. Yeah. And that was where I realized like, oh, I could actually really do something in this industry and maybe I actually have something to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, through work, and it takes time for people to get there. I, th- I find people find it later, more often sooner, because I think you had a good thing there when you said about you know the interior design and realizing that wasn't the thing. I think what everyone's kind. Of, it's very rare you find anyone that's had a streamlined path, yeah. and I don't even know if that's necessarily a good thing. It can be, of course, but that that stumble, that that oh god, this isn't for me. What have I done? And then back again. It, you learn little things, all these points along the way, and it's I think it's really important to eliminate to find out what it is that you maybe are passionate about or really yeah. do connect with. Yeah, I absolutely. And, and I mean, another thing I just am so thankful that my parents are the way they are is that they were always very encouraging about experimentation and trying things. And they were always very relaxed about, you know, if, if this doesn't work, you can always go back to this or try this. And mm-hmm. um, that that helped quite a bit because I think a lot of people don't, um, embrace change or engage with change in their career and in their lives because it's fucking terrifying. It's scary. It's it's work. It's it's really stressful and it's um, and it's it's. Um, it, I mean, ultimately, it's just it's just more work to be able to change yep. direction in any in any way. And um, coming out of graduate school. Um, you know, the first thing I did was my husband and I got married and we drove out to Seattle the next day and changed our East Coast lives to our West Coast life, to wow, our West okay. Coast life and, um, and moved to a city that we had never been to before, that we had both kind of fantasized about because we were chi- children of the grunge era. So we were like, oh, Seattle seems really that. cool. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, we both you know, had this kind of fascination with the Pacific Northwest and it seemed like a really nice marriage of, um, of design and art and culture and what he does, he works at Kew Gardens. He's, um, he is an educator and a horticulturist, culturalist, and, um, he's a plant guy. And so <laughs> that, that was a nice merge of those two, of those two worlds. And also just the idea of the unknown was incredible and so few people take those leaps for that dream you know that i get so inspired when people said you know things like that you, you as you said change is terrifying and to and to make such a huge jump like that i mean as a person that must have been just such another growth another another step forward acceleration i guess of your creativity would that be right yeah it was it was great i mean it was the first time too that we either i mean now we live in london and it seems like a tiny little sleepy town compared to London, but at the time it was the biggest city we'd ever lived in, and you know we were on our own, and um, we didn't have any friends out there. We yeah. didn't know anybody, and he was he was going immediately into graduate school, so I just had to find a job as soon as possible. But all of that was exciting, and we never mm-hmm. thought past like the day that we were in, yeah. and there was something very liberating and exciting about that. Um, when we moved out there, because he was going into graduate school, I needed to find a job. This was also in 2007 when the market was like okay. months before it just like yep. tanked. So, you know, I go out there with this bright, shiny graduate degree from RISD, you know, one of the like 
best art schools in the country and then like thinking, oh, this is going to be so easy to find a job. And first of all, nobody on the West Coast really knows what that school is, nor do they care. And like the economy is tanking. And so I'm just like the first month I was like, holy shit is happening this is crazy like what I don't I was such an idiot (laughs) so I took a job at Microsoft which is probably like if you if I could think of one company that was the opposite of my whole being it would be it would be that but um I took it out of necessity and it ended up being an incredible experience for so many reasons one is um I met a friend there who basically opened up a whole social group in Seattle that we're all still friends and just an incredible group of people and of designers and musicians and all these people, mm. which, which um, there's a thing called the Seattle chill. Seattle is not known for being the most welcoming place. And so I, I felt just incredibly fortunate to have been in that um, situation and had a link to those people, and that was only because that was because of Microsoft, which is crazy. And then um, also, it taught me like the kind of environment I never wanted to be in, which I think was probably the you know mm-hmm. which which is really really valuable for designers to, I think, taking leaps and taking opportunities. And not knowing whether they're going to be good or not is a great thing because through experience you realize what's a good fit for you and and what's not. And it certainly could have been the situation that I got in there and I loved the security and I loved the, you know, nine to five-ness and yeah. I loved being completely anonymous. I mean, I didn't think I was going to like that. I didn't really like that. Um, but it taught me a lot about how big business works. It taught me a lot about myself and what I don't want to do. But also, it it was interesting to be in a massive corporation like that, but also feel like we had quite a tight-knit mm. team with, you know, weird personalities and drama yeah. and all the things. And, and going back to what you said about the whole socialising, the importance of that and being around people you maybe wouldn't choose to go to the pub with or mm-hmm. play sport with, actually those kind of thrust upon scenarios yeah. they can pay off in so many ways that may not be obvious. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's such a um, I try to keep that that, um, that level of newness and experimentation and um, the unknown in in my life as much as possible because I think it when you don't know what to expect and you can't control that situation you are inevitably going to grow and I think it's 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 hard to it's very hard to consistently push yourself to learn and change just on your own and I find it almost being easier to change and mess with the environment you're in to kind of inevitably change you if that makes if that makes makes sense sense. i was writing about this recently about how these these uh, emotions and senses that you wouldn't ever seek consciously frustration negativity Mm -hmm. uh, any kind of emotional upset but 
they certainly have their upsides. You know, they certainly frustration is one of the best drivers to get somewhere that you, you might have taken an age to get. Absolutely, you know? it taps into this kind of innate human emotion of like I've got to get myself out of this thing. Yeah, necessity. You said again another word you used earlier, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. That you know you say you make this move to Seattle, and actually that necessity lights a fire under you sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like you you commit to something, yep. and then shit, I gotta deal with it. <laughs> I gotta deal with this yeah. decision. <laughs> I know I put myself here, but I've got to deal with that. Um, I spoke at the brand new conference in two thousand. And Nashville was 2014. Yeah. And um, that's what my talk was about was the value of variety and how important it is, not only in design work, um, you know, to choose projects that are different from each other, have different objectives, different different mediums, mm-hmm. um, different purposes, different audiences, you know, all, all those things, but but also in life to to always kind of be shaking it up and pushing pushing the boundaries of, of what you can do simply to stay engaged I find it to be the best way to stay oh God. engaged yeah the <laughs> complacency is very dangerous and it's easy you know it's all very, it's always great when you're making good money and you're doing something that comes very easy or second nature but on a creative level, it's kind of da- very dangerous, mm-hmm. a loaded, a loaded scenario, you know. So, yeah. and it, but it's not for everyone. That's that, again, that's that's the thing. It's like what it, what makes, I guess, earning a living from your creativity very difficult is that there is there are no right answers. You know, you get on great themes there in terms of changing necessity and all these things, but that'll break some people. Yeah, you know? it, absolutely. So it's, uh, and that's what's beautiful, really, about it. Yeah, sometimes I wish I could be more content. <laughs> it would be a Easier. Yeah, there's times when I do look at him and it's like, what the hell are you doing? It's I like know, it's 35 like, are now, you doing you know? this again? Like, yeah, exactly, why burn, why burn something else down? Like, <laughs> I know, it's like, come on. Something very chemical with him. chill for a second. I do, I have this like, I have this crazy fear that all of a sudden it's going to be, you know, 10 years from now yeah. and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I haven't progressed or I haven't done, you know, which is crazy. I mean, that's just not going to, that's just not going to happen. I yeah, mean, even, yeah. even staying in the same place or doing the same thing, you still progress, you, know, you still move, move Of forward, course, but, yeah. But um, that fear of complacency definitely drives me. I think it drives my husband crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that double use of drive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I said it drives me and I thought in my head I was like, eh. <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> so what so what happened? Did you left did you leave Microsoft set up on your own? Is that, oh, the, yeah. is that what happened? What next? Stop? Well yeah, I mean um I ended up getting laid off because the market tanked the economy tanked i was it basically forced me to freelance for Mm -hmm. two years and um which again was a situation i was kind of forced into but absolutely invaluable i mean when designers learn how to treat design like a business and uh, understand the financial side of it and the efficiency side of it. I think it's absolutely invaluable, um, and it taught me how to be more organized, be faster, um, 
not say yes to so many things. It taught me a lot of um, a lot of the side of design that I hadn't learned in school because you, you're learning about creativity and self-expression and um, you know solving a problem and solving a problem through creativity and answering a brief and all mm. these things. But um, I think one thing that I actually wish schools taught a bit more of is how to actually have a job (laughs) and how to actually operate in that situation and that we are not fine artists and we do not have timelines that extend to, you know, that play on our whims and our, you know, it's, it actually is a business. And so that really taught me how to do that. Um, One of the reasons I wanted to move to Seattle was for a little shop out there called Creature, which there is a Creature London, which um, we had set up in 2012, but the original one was in Seattle, which opened in 2003. And they were a little uh, a little shop that had, was started by two wine guys, who um, Matt and Jim, who um, you know were were very much of of. Um, an advertising background, but they understood the value of design. And they started merging concept and style in a way that I hadn't seen a lot of shops doing. And they were show, their work was showing up in communication arts, in the design annual, as well as the advertising annual. And it was one of these places where you weren't really sure... Mm. Is it advertising? Is it design? It doesn't matter because it looks fucking amazing and it behaves in an amazing way and great writing, great ideas. And I wanted to work there. And I, um, and I actually, when we first moved to Seattle, I tried to get in. I was not (laughs) accepted, which I give my, um, my boss a, I give my boss shit about because he did not let me in. And then two years later, I like I just kept trying. I kept trying. I kept trying. And um, finally, they um, they uh, hired me as a senior designer. And my five years there was like completely. It was it was like graduate school again, but at a, at a higher level and yeah. you know within an agency and actual real life experience but it was just one of these places where every day I was working you know one day I'd be working on packaging another day I'd be working on a global brand campaign the next day I'd be working on logo design the next day I'd be working on you know website and yeah. digital strategy I was working with strategists I was working with the owners I was working with creative directors and other designers and it was just it was this place where I realized like oh my gosh, it doesn't have to be design or advertising. It doesn't have to be concepts or, mm. um, you know, visualizing things. This this merge of concept and style can take place in the same office and agency and within the same projects. And holy shit, it makes everything better. Concepts, really great concepts and storytelling makes design so much better and systematic thinking and systematic design so much better and vice versa giving a visual world that had that functions like a system gives a story a brand story so much more potency yeah and it it 
was crazy to me that more agencies weren't doing that. To this day, <laughs> to this day, and also, you know, it makes total sense if you've got an awesome idea, story, narrative, uh, everything behind that. Then you 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 take it and apply it to those fields. Surely working backwards is the only, is the way. Yeah, Can yeah, I? yeah. It it was. Um, I mean, that experience there was just. I knew I wanted to be there because of what they were producing, but I had no idea the level to which I would learn in that environment. And um, yeah, it was. I, I feel like most of you know most of what I know and what I want to do in this um, career and in this industry stems from learnings from mm. from being there and also it was complete madness I mean there was no like you know it was a bunch of young people I think the owners at the time like weren't even 40 yet you know and they were the oldest in the company you know everybody is just young and very few people had kids or mortgages or any sort of responsibility i remember getting home at midnight and thinking oh this is an early night i've got two hours before (laughs) i usually go to bed you know and and so that experience while i was there for five years it was dog years you know, it's like everybody was on dog year time. You know, everybody was just catapulting their skills because it was work all the time. Now, can I do that now? Absolutely not. But there is a, there was just, it was a time and a place and a group of people and ideas and an industry that all kind of merged into this mm. perfect storm of creativity and learning and um, experimentation and it it was just mm. a beautiful beautiful experience it was just one of those times where you just look back and you're like I was at the right place at the yeah. right time and it nearly fucking killed me I mean nearly killed me like definitely landed me in therapy <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but <laughs> and it makes absolute sense just going by what you said about your, your character and, and not you know being afraid to embrace change it sounds like and you know, new challenges. It sounded like it had all of those things in this lovely model that was right. You know, like you say, it was right there at the perfect time for you. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those places where, like, in the every day, you're like, I'm gonna quit. This sucks. But also, <laughs> but what's the? But this is such a good opportunity. Yeah. I want to finish this opportunity or this project, and then you get a new project that's more amazing than the one before. And wow. you know, it's just like always that tension between like. Oh my God, I'm going crazy, but also I'm learning so much and every day is different and every day is fun and, you know, I just want to keep, I was just wait, like I was almost wanting like a really boring brief Mm. so I could be like, okay, finally, I'm bored, I've got to move on. Yeah, you were waiting for the straw. No, it's like I never, ever got bored. (laughs) Wow. So 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 why did you change from that? What was the... I had a kid. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, had a kid and then came back from maternity leave and I'd been there for, you know, five years and I, I just realized that I needed a bit of a change. Um, and, uh, I think, I think I wanted, I wanted a change because I, um, had a bit of a new life, but mostly because I wanted to try something new. And at that same time I was offered a partnership at a small design firm which was always a career goal I mean it was always from the very very beginning I wanted to kind of run my own shop which um, 
and and do my own thing and that opportunity came and so I I took that opportunity and it really it helped me kind of merge into motherhood as well because mm-hmm. going from like a pure workaholic to wow I've got something outside of work yeah. um, that I really need to pay attention to yeah, and, yeah. and deserves quite a bit of attention um, and also you know having four months um, separated from work it gives you a bit of perspective of I mean, there's nothing more perspective giving than a kid but um, <laughs> so I took so I took that, and um, that was kind of going to be the, the plan, and then um, I immediately just sucked, it got sucked into my kind of contentment thing, and, and my husband and I, we had, you know, we have a beautiful house in Seattle, we have a child, we've got our Toyota Prius, we've got, <laughs> you know, I'm running a business, um, with a couple partners and he has his dream job and at the Botanic Garden and everything is just wonderful, you know? And you would think you'd be like, ah, we've been working for this for 10 years. We finally made it. And I just started freaking out at the normalcy of that and how, you know, how, um, and and I, I recognize like, this, these are all the things that we wanted for a long time, and now that we have them, it was kind of like, what's what's next? And so we both were just, do we stay? Do we shake it up? Do we stir the pot? Mm. Do, we, do we actually act like adults for the first time in our lives and just kind of, like, realize how great everything is and just chill the F out and just ride it? And then um, I came home one Friday from work, and I said, all right, Patty, I'm in. We'll stay. I'm we're gonna be I'm gonna be content. I won't bring it up again. We're this is what we're doing. We're Seattle. We're we'll put down roots here. And, this, and then the next day I got a call, um, well, an email from the ECD at Sydney, Amsterdam, asking me if I wanted to be their head of design. And and that was like not only my dream job for my dream company, but in my dream city. We had one of the things that when Patrick and I were debating on whether to leave or not or or change things up or not, you know, we realized we had accomplished all of our goals. Um, The one thing that we had not done is lived and worked in Europe, which was something that we wanted to do from the moment we met um, Mm -hmm. and the moment we started dating was something we'd always talked about. And we, in those conversations, we specifically were talking about, like, are we going to let go of that dream, which was very kind of kind of a hard decision for us to make um and so this came this happened and it was just like yep we're gone we're going yeah and so three months later we packed up the house i have a one-year-old on my hip yeah and um we flew to amsterdam with i think it was three cardboard boxes and three duffel bags and and he had never been there I was there when I was 20 so this was this was like 13 years before so um yeah and showed up with a kid and a couple boxes and started work two days later (laughs) sometimes decisions are made for you yeah. In that instance, yeah. you know, a dream job like that lands in your lap at that time, and there's you can't look away. You've got to go. Well, well there we go. That, yeah. that, that one's 
sort of made for me. And also, I, lo- I just love the fact that you had to build up to making a decision to be content. That's incredible. <laughs> so everyone else does it the other way. It's like, I love that. You know, it's like everyone else is like gearing up for this big change, like sweating at night, laying in bed, and you're building up to be content, and then the next day I've been in it. That's, that's amazing. Oh my God. Some people call it crazy. <laughs> no, I it think was, it's genius. Yeah, it was. Um, but it was, it was one of the best decisions we've made, and moving over here is, mm. I mean, so hard it's like you're changing you know you're changing everything and um and just like cultural differences and um finances and visas and residence cards and all this stuff but you know it is so worth it and going back to what we were originally talking about is you know so much about what we do is understanding and being sympathetic to human behaviors and other cultures and I think it's just fascinating the difference between how America does things versus, you know, the Dutch versus the British. And even though these are still, you know, westernized cultures and um, first world cultures, it's it's like it's so different the way people think. And I think it's so interesting. I I feel like um, this education and human beings and how we're all so different but we're all pretty much dealing with similar things yeah um well you mentioned you said about the seattle chill there you go a region of you know like a a state thing mm -hmm. again it is maybe it's more subtle but again it's the same where i'm from in yorkshire i crossed the border into lancashire to go to uni and was quite taken aback by some of the differences same thing it's like yeah okay big thing between america and europe but that's that's going on all over the world in, in its small ways yeah yeah you know? absolutely and politically too it's just like yeah. I mean the UK is dealing with similar I mean we're all kind of dealing with similar issues and these these political issues and cultural issues are bubbling to the surface and um, yeah we're all not mm-hmm. that different <laughs> people are like oh did you like leave the states to get away from Trump and I'm like yeah but like we're kind of in the same. It's like there's similar things oh, yeah. happening. Oh, yeah. Definitely just because he's <laughs> so smash mouth and sort of com- comedically, you know, comedically looking. And, God, we've got our own crescents going on. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but, so how did you, I'm interested when you said about the, this beautiful model that's going on at Creature. Uh, how was, the, and you said that, you know, there was no real line drawn between advertising and design and it was a bit of a revelation. That's, then how was that stepping into the world of advertising with Sid Lee? Was there a difference? Was it was it done in a different way? Or? Well, one of the reasons I wanted to work at Sid Lee is they, they, they were doing the same thing. Their f- philosophy of solving problems through creativity was the same just on a global level um, and just a bigger company. And, and this was an example... Um, Sidley was an example of creativity, commercial creativity, um, happening at a global scale that didn't seem like it was sacrificing on design or ideas or risk just because they were dealing with global clients mm-hmm. and they're a global business. And they that was so fascinating. That was really fascinating to me because I understood after years at Creature that that can happen in a boutique situation and it's almost easier for it to happen in a boutique situation because um simply because clients tend to be regional 
budgets tend to be smaller, team clients tend to be smaller, mm-hmm. businesses. Um, but they were an example of that happening for in big business, big clients, yeah. global business. And I also thought it was very fascinating that one of the reasons that they were so visually well-known while being an advertising agency, essentially, if you like really boil it down, they were so well-known for design. And one of their founders is a designer. And I think that that clues something in. Like, if you have a design voice at the top, that is a really powerful tool to have in your arsenal. And that is actually what needs to happen to be able to merge concept and style in um, in an av- in a traditionally advertising agency um, in, and in that kind of environment. You've mm-hmm. got to have that voice and that objective and that agenda being pushed um, for visual excellence and for craft at a at a high level. And I wanted to work at Sidley because that objective was baked into the business already. Yeah. Um, where I had, I had experienced, um, you know, before Creature and um, that, that as a designer in, in an advertising environment, you really have to fight for that to be yeah. a priority. Yeah. And, um, and so... Yeah, that's 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 why I wanted to that's why I wanted to be in that environment and that they hire copywriters and art directors and designers that think both in a storytelling way but also mm-hmm. in a visual way. And, and I think there's a reciprocal respect that you hit upon there as well, um, self-respect from your case. You know, you valued what you believed in and what you saw as as important. And, and then vice versa, the company, you know, the fact that they designed from the top down and actually look to bring in people and look at the, the tangibles we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. those personality traits, those drivers, things that get us out of bed in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Then that's brilliant. That's a, that sounds like, again, another meeting of, of things. But, but the, again, another thread in this, that none of this is luck, none of this is happening by chance and collision. This is actually people who have got their eyes open to those things mm-hmm. so yourself and Sid Lee that they mm-hmm. take very seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a great lesson there for all them people that, that might have the tendency to go, oh, you know some, somebody's landed on their feet, or oh, they're lucky like you, you, you encounter that in our worlds I find. Mm-hmm. But the chance is nothing without application and, and self-belief you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I think that's really quite, um, I think it's a fantastic example mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. described. Yep. You definitely have to have a thick skin, <laughs> and you have to believe that what you're doing is is right. And I think with all environment, all opportunities, there's always going to be great things about it, and there's going to be hard things about it. And you've got to know that going in. Even the best opportunities are going to be hard in some ways or or another. You just always got to have your kind of eyes set on what you want to get out of that opportunity and what you want to achieve out of that opportunity and what you want to learn out of that opportunity. And a lot of times what you learn is, like in the case of Microsoft, for example, what you what you don't want to do or what you would do differently the yeah. next time, um, which is just as valid as... Of course. It's just constant shaping, isn't it? Yeah. So it's really crucial. So, so we find you today at Anomaly. Yes. How did this opportunity come about? 
Well, um, Sydney Amsterdam closed about six months after I started. So we moved out there and then um, they closed their doors. They consolidated into Paris and um, other things happened. You know, it's this industry. It's fine. Um, it's the way of the world. And uh, when an office like that closes, the recruiters start circling. <laughs> so um, started to get some calls about some agencies in London and made the decision to um, move to London specifically for the variety of opportunities. And my husband and I moved. And we liked the idea of, again, experiencing another culture in another city. Um, and we, uh, yeah, we kind of took that plunge. And, um, you know, Amsterdam is one of the most beautiful cities I have ever been to, ever lived in, for sure. I love the way of life there. It is, um, it is very easy. It's a very easy place to live. It's a very beautiful place to live. We met incredible friends there, um, but basically because of the language barrier, it was very hard for um, my husband to find a job. And after Sid Lee closed, I realized it was actually kind of, it was much harder for me to find something that I really wanted to do mm. and was passionate about simply because a lot of the really incredible Dutch um, design firms and ad agencies do a lot of speaking in Dutch. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of, kind of limits you. And, um, and then I had never been to London and neither had my husband and we just thought, okay, well, that sounds cool, and there's a lot of opportunities there, and he, it was always a dream of his to work at Kew Gardens, and so we thought, wow. you know, this is a way for both of us to continue our career and um, move forward and um, all those things, so we moved over here, and I met um, Ollie, who's the ECD here, and just immediately we, we clicked, and he is just such a fun person to talk to and so creative and he has this incredible portfolio of all these little projects he's done on his own I could just tell that Anomaly London was a place that was run on an entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. um and not and and just from talking to him and seeing his work I could tell that that was that was something that was valued here and also a mix of interesting skills was was valued and self-starting was valued and mm. um I wanted I wanted that in a place I've always wanted that in a place I don't want to be told what to do I don't want to be a slot player um I want to be given the room and the environment to make an impact wherever I am and to bring ideas and to soak in other ideas and collaborate and all those things. And so this seemed like the right place to place to be. And they, um, they needed a design department, essentially. Um, Anomaly London has always been incredibly strong, um, in strategy and copywriting and production and all the things, but they've never really had a design department that um, offers design thinking. And so, and they wanted that. They they recognized that a, a long time ago that this was something that was really important. And this, again, this merge of concept and style mm. um, 
was something that can create really powerful work and they have been doing that in other offices around the globe but didn't um wanted wanted help making that in london and again right place at the right time and um and so i you know immediately jumped at that opportunity because it was something that i could help shape from the ground up and um I could I could basically just help them bolster all of the incredible storytelling and ideas and concepts that they were already that they were already doing. Yeah. Through visuals. Wow. Yeah. And so far so good. Yes, so far so good. So far <laughs> so good. They also have this amazing um wing or arm of the business which is IP. So Anomaly in general just has a real interest in creating things from scratch and creating not just answering briefs, but creating things, you know, from their, from their, in their own right. And, um, that was really, really, really appealing to me. And what I've realized, um, since starting in October is that that kind of, again, that kind of starting things from, from scratch, being challenging in industries, um, being disruptive is a perspective that is, you know, is filtered throughout the entire business and the way yeah. Anomaly solves problems. And that is um, a really great environment to be in as a creative, obviously. Well, yeah, it just sounds like it's a characteristic um, that has to be prioritized in any great creative agency be that advertising design the mix of the things as we talked about um to to equally respect all the things and not draw unnecessary boundaries and parameters between them because you know um perfectly illustrated by everything you said today i, I think that can be that can be catastrophic fatal mm-hmm. even to creativity if you, mm-hmm. if you do that and you you know and you put up partition walls between people and roles and, and titles you know yeah. there's a lot placed on titles that i sometimes feel is a little you know, yeah. like you said the whole thing about the design department. I like that because it sounds to me straight away just by that description that everyone's going to have a role and everyone's going to be really valued there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, and um, you know, Anomaly tries to bring a, a lot of different kinds of people into um, into the building, and, um, and and a lot of times, you know, it's about great portfolios, it's about great personalities, it's about like um, bringing people in that. You're not exactly what they sure what they do, but you really like their work. Yep. <laughs> and and I specifically um, have built a department of people with very very different skills because I want typographers, I want traditional designers, I want designers for advertising, but I also want like crazy you know animators who understand like the digital world better than anyone else. And I want people who like haven't really had a job before but make incredible things and I want people that come from a branding background and um you know big business big corporate um backgrounds as well as boutique backgrounds and I want all these kinds of people and like you know the one the one the two things that you cannot teach people is taste level and work ethic and you can teach people everything else and as long as they have those two things and you know how to get the best out of them you're going to get really 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 interesting 
work. So that's when I when I hire. That's what I that's yeah. what I look for. Yeah. Um, and of course, personality. Yeah, is key, but and it's knock on, isn't it? I I, I would take a, a educated guess that your clients buy into that ethos, that honesty, and and that that respect for people's energy and personalities. It's all a part of the package, isn't it? And, and uh, it's something that people would come to anomaly for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's... I've never worked on the client side, but it's got to be horrible for clients if you feel like you have a team that doesn't, you know, that doesn't want to work on your stuff and yeah. isn't passionate about it and isn't passionate about pushing what that industry or what that offering can be and you know what what those kind of what what a brand can say and you know you just you want people who love what they do yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. well i mean we've covered so much there i'm not going to keep you much longer but i always ask my guests at the end and it's a slightly on the spot question and uh collect the shark in the tank after the damien hurst piece it's <laughs> such a love hate piece of work i ask them for a positive i used to say love and a hate but it's a bit strong a positive and a negative about it's a very lateral question about creativity about your role it can be anything you want but it's a very kind of on the spot positive and a negative uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. i can cut the silence i think the best thing you know, I, if I were to th- go back 20 years, 15 years, whatever, whenever I started in design, um, and if I think about would I change, knowing what I know now, would I change my career? The, the answer is absolutely no, because what this does for me personally is it allows me to not have to delineate between work and life and I think that is a conversation that everybody is always trying to solve what's my work-life balance you know blah 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 blah. Um, but for me I found I feel lucky to found found something that I'm spending my days doing things that I would be doing anyway you know and I feel very very lucky that um i've got anomaly and i do work here that if i was working for myself i would want to be doing for myself and i do have projects and um a business outside of work that is you know is very similar to the work that i do during the day and um I just, it, it's all kind of one thing, and I feel really lucky about that, that I feel like I can move my life forward and my passion forward during my job, which I don't think a lot of people can can say. No. You know? um, so it, it's not, it's it's not just, it just, allow, it just allows me to have a fuller life. Um, I mean, the downside is, it is v- extremely stressful, and I have a I do have a hard time emotionally decoupling work yeah. and um, and you know and, and my and myself. I've gotten better at it throughout the years um, to brush things off and and whatnot. And it's but I want things to be as amazing as they possibly can be, and. I um, I get sad <laughs> when they can't be yeah. 
amazing for whatever reason. And there's a, a host of reasons. I mean, honestly, the reasons for things to not turn out the way it, it, they're stacked against you from the, <laughs> from the beginning, from like the moment you start a project. Total underdogs. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a hard. But when you do get those wins, it is there is a sense of positivity and excitement um, that really, and just pride that is, I haven't found that exact in, in any other parts of, uh, of, of, you know, my experience or my being or anything like that specific feeling when you make something amazing that changes people's lives yeah. and puts an idea out into the world is really, really, really satisfying. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a rare thing, but those are the moments that just make everything worth it. But I hope through even you know more and more years of this that I, I'm, I'm getting better at <laughs> figuring out yeah. how to... Um, you know how to how to not um, how to not take everything. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, and I just think it's so common. You know, to produce great work, you have to be you have to care and be passionate about that. So you can't just turn that off like a tap at yeah. night. That's just the double edged sword that we're yeah. faced with. It's like you know, it's kind of an inescapable conundrum. But yeah, to your point, we've been doing this ten years now, full time, and, and it's I'm getting gradually better. Very, yeah. very slow steps, but yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. You know, and without <laughs> losing the passion. I mean, the passion is what makes you good at your job. Mm-hmm. That's what makes people great Completely. is wanting to be great and wanting things to be awesome and mm-hmm. wanting great ideas and great design out there and while there are tons of obstacles to getting all that stuff out there um yeah it is it is that passion that that makes that makes people great so it's that how do you how do you keep that while just being better at just kind of moving on or again like finding that opportunity of yes we've hit this obstacle but then how are we going to use it to our advantage, or how are we going to how are we going to springboard off of that obstacle to make something, yeah. um, you know, great still? Yeah. Well, you blow me away, and I think you're going to blow my listeners away. So I can't thank you enough. Oh, All right, thanks. Yeah, quite inspiring. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thanks to Clara Mulligan, head of art and design at Anomaly London. One inspiring human being, right? She's awesome. Uh, I, I walked away from that interview so inspired, so fired up. Uh, she's doing great work, building an amazing design department. What a great approach and what a great attitude to change and challenges. And I think it's really great lessons for everybody in there. I hope you'll agree. I hope you agree. Go back and listen to previous episodes. Steve Vernakis and Nate two absolutely killed it on the previous episode discussing DNA D shift and all things creativity. Steve's work at Google Creative Lab. Uh, it's a big one. They're, they're, they're all big. I'm feeling pretty honoured to, to have broken that 100,000 listens mark. And that's thanks so much to you guys. Thanks to all of my guests, the sponsors, everyone who's been involved. Big milestone. Felt great about that. Uh, here's to the next one. Who knows where this thing goes? Who knows where it ends? Hopefully it never ends. I'll keep podcasting as a ghost if you want. (laughs) If it's possible. Maybe it will be by then. Maybe technology makes it so. I'm rambling, so I'm going to get out of here. Cheers again to everybody involved. Um, Go check out the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and theaoi.com. Cheers, guys. It means a lot. Please do keep coming back. 
get a little review over on the iTunes uh, and have a great week. Take care. Speak to you all very, very soon. 